0: This week, I'm going to interrupt my usual doom and gloom opening take to inject a little positivity into everyone's lives. Hey, remember when Oklahoma graduated Baker Mayfield at the end of last season and everybody immediately wrote off the Sooners as national title contenders? Mayfield meant so much to this program. He was the heart and soul. You don't replace that kind of production and get better, screamed pretty much all of the college football media landscape. They had an understandable point. Programs generally don't graduate Heisman Trophy winners, with little to no drop-off from one season to the next. However, OU fans let the media talk all offseason without much resistance, for we knew something that most people did not. There was another guy waiting in the wings that was salivating to finally get his opportunity in major college football. Well, three weeks into the season, it appears our quiet confidence has paid off. Kyler Murray has been the best quarterback in college football up to this point in the season. Now, there's no reason to go through all of the numbers. I'm sure you've seen the stat floating around about how Murray's total yards and touchdowns is virtually identical to Mayfield through three games last year. I don't put a ton of stock into that. Different games present different challenges, which present different play calls, etc., etc., etc. What I will put a lot of stock into is how Kyler Murray has taken this challenge and run with it. For a first-year starter, making his first career road start against a pretty salty defense— Murray's poise was off the charts last Saturday against Iowa State. With the Sooner defense struggling for stretches, Oklahoma looked to Murray to be a calming and steady force, and he absolutely delivered. No panicking, no forced throws, no crucial mental mistakes, just calm. Do you have any idea how big of a deal that is to the 10 other guys in that huddle? In high leverage situations when you can look at your field general and nothing phases him, you think you can get through anything as a player. What's more, he throws a better deep ball than the number one pick in the NFL draft. His pocket awareness is good to great. He slides instead of taking hits every time he has the chance. And hey, remember in the first two games when he had trouble hitting receivers on swing passes? It appears he worked and ironed that part of his game out. If his touchdown pass to Miles Tease is any indication against Iowa State. It's also still September, which means he could conceivably get better and we still haven't seen a game plan tailored heavily around his legs. It's truly a frightening proposition for the rest of the Big 12, as well as all of college football. Kyler Murray is already playing this well, and he hasn't played a ton of college football in his career. I will interrupt this sunshine pumping for a tad bit of negativity. Don't put any stock, literally zero stock, into Kyler Murray being the Heisman favorite at this point of the season. I know revisionist history will prevent many people from remembering this, but in September last year, the college football media was literally handing the trophy to Saquon Barkley already. So pump the brakes a little bit in that regard. But for now, this is a great start. At this trajectory, Kyler Murray could absolutely be the type of player at the end of the season that gives you a chance to beat anybody in the country. Make no mistake about it. This is what Oklahoma will need out of Kyler Murray if they want to achieve their long-term goals. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest.
1: Screen the other way to DeMarco Murray. To the 10 to the 5, easy touchdown Oklahoma! He had a convoy out in front of him on the left side. You see Hayburn out there. Gabe Eichert is getting a terrific block. And then the cutback and the speed. Defense doesn't have much chance against DeMarco Murray out in the open field. Hats it to DeMarco Murray for providing the intro to the show today. His 17-yard touchdown grab gave the Sooners a 27-10 lead over Air Force back in September of 2010, September 18th, 2010 to be exact. Oklahoma won the game narrowly, 27-24. That was the last time a service academy school played the Sooners in Norman. That is until this Saturday when Army comes to town. Hey everyone, welcome to West of Everest. I'm Lee Benson. You heard Grant at the top with his opening take. Oklahoma plays Army for the fourth time in history this weekend. The two teams have not played since 1961, a game the Sooners won 14 to eight. Grant and I will get you primed for Saturday's matchup here in a moment. But first, I want to thank all of you who have subscribed to the show recently and have also left us a nice rating and a review. There's still time to add your two cents if you have not done so yet. West of Everest is available on iTunes and also SoundCloud. I also want to remind you to like the show on Facebook, plus follow Grant and I on Twitter. I'm at Lee Benson News 9. Grant is at GrantBenson25. If you're not following us on Facebook or on Twitter, I've got something that might make you want to head over to those applications and give us a follow and a like. Earlier this week, I posted a video breakdown of Kyler Murray's 7-yard touchdown pass to Miles Tees from Oklahoma's win over Iowa State. The video was posted on the West of Everest Facebook page as well as my Twitter page. I had a lot of fun putting the video together, and if you haven't watched it yet, I think you'll all enjoy seeing how that touchdown came together. Plus, I show you that the Sooners could have actually scored in a different way on the play if Tees ended up not being open at the snap. I've got a lot of good feedback on that video, so I'll plan on producing more of those as the season progresses. Finally, if you're still into email, you can send us a message through Gmail, at gmail.com. Okay, so without further ado, let's get to some football talk. Grant, I liked your opening take today. How's it going?
0: I'm glad you liked it, Lee. It's going well. I just had to get that little dig in about Saquon Barkley at the end. Not really, not much of a dig on Saquon Barkley. I think he's an incredibly good player just more about everyone freaking out over him uh, after that performance against Iowa last year under the lights you remember that where he where? yeah of course yeah and then everyone everyone that was the
1: same day that OU beat Ohio State as well I think that was week two yeah it
0: might have been it might have been and then and then of course like he, he I think he returned the opening kickoff against Ohio State back for a touchdown and then everyone was was really proclaiming the Heisman race to be over after that and I think he had maybe like like 16 total
1: yards the rest of the way against Ohio State, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, you're just reminding me of uh, my inaction, that I I didn't contact my friends in the desert at that time of the year and said, hey, guys, throw throw down some money on Baker Mayfield to win the Heisman Trophy because he's going to win it. I should have done it in June, and it would have paid off big because Mayfield wasn't wasn't a favorite until the very end of the year when it was obvious he's going to win it. And, and this year it's a little different, though, because, yeah, I agree with you, the whole Heisman – Heisman favorite after three weeks. Kyler Murray, you know, who cares? That doesn't mean anything. The only difference between last year and this year is that Murray's actually a quarterback, and it's a quarterback award, as we've gone over multiple times on this show. And Murray's been probably the best player in college football this season. There's a reason why he's considered to be the favorite, at least for ESPN people. So that was good stuff. Let's uh, let's talk some football. And I want to start with Riley's Monday news conference talking about Army because there's a couple things that Lincoln Riley said in the game that uh, in the game in the press conference that kind of surprised me a little bit and it's one of those things where it's like okay Lincoln Riley is a genius and knows more about football obviously than you and I and has probably forgotten more about football even though he's right around our age which is kind of funny in a way but Riley did say on on uh, on Monday and was one of the very first things he brought up he actually watched back the film and said that the defensive line in that game played very well against Iowa State. And I was kind of surprised by that because there were some issues with defensive ends with Kenneth Mann, a little bit of Ronnie Perkins as well. I thought the interior lineman, Gallimore, and Bledsoe played pretty well. Uh but I didn't really think the, def- the defensive line was was you know great in that game, but I suppose you know maybe they were because the you know Montgomery only rushed for 80 something yards and he didn't really break he had like one kind of long run. So upon further review, it looks like I think maybe we were off on the defensive line in that Iowa State Oklahoma game. So I did you. I mean, I don't know how much you watch Lincoln Riley's press conferences, but is that kind of surprising to you that Riley praised the defensive line after the fact?
0: A little bit, yeah, a little surprising. Um, you know, I mean, I, I I disagree. I don't think I they. I mean, relatively, they may have played relatively well, but they they didn't play well enough. You know, like you would expect a national championship contender to play, not at all. Um, the lack of pressure from the front from the front four was certainly concerning. Uh, we talked about it in the first half how the defensive ends really had trouble uh, keeping contain on the edge. I thought Gallimore was the best of all the defensive linemen. Uh, Bledsoe was in the backfield a couple times, but he sure had trouble finishing tackles, especially with David Montgomery. So they they can they can certainly play better. Um, but you know, I mean, they weren't they were certainly not bad by any stretch of the imagination. They just weren't they just weren't great.
1: So and, and I start the show off with basically saying hey you know we were critical of the defensive line last show and Lincoln Riley basically was saying nope they played well and, and you're still saying you kind of disagree and and honestly I didn't watch close enough to to really have that stronger opinion to where I can argue with Lincoln Riley so I'll take him at his word because I trust the guy and he's normally very upfront about things at his press conferences and in the media and so I want to do something next that I don't I know Grant's not prepared for, he, he knows I'm not going to do this, but I have a bit of a, I think something I want to say in regards to Lincoln Riley and the program and just things from last podcast. Cause I, I listened back to the last podcast and I realized, you know, I, I kind of came off and maybe you did too a little bit, but I know for me, I, I feel like I kind of came off as a little overtly negative, especially to to Parnell Motley for, for one. And I just have this whole thing that I've prepared that I want to say. And, and then after that, I'll I'll let you jump in Grant. So, this will be a little different something I haven't really said on this show before but I think it's important to to do this right now and so first off I want to just praise Lincoln Riley because as I was watching his press conference on Monday and this happens over and over again as you see this guy deal with the media to me he just he's so freaking sharp and so polished up at the podium you know he's respectful to everybody at the press conference he he has great answers to every single question he's incredibly good off script when he's Maybe not prepared for a certain question or didn't anticipate a certain question being asked. Like for example, back in August during fall camp, when he was asked about Kyler Murray not coming back to Oklahoma next season, Riley was kind of caught off guard because for whatever reason, that decision of Kyler Murray in baseball has not fully been made. At least uh, you know publicly, it sounds like it has, but for whatever reason, inside that program with Lincoln Riley, it's it's not fully made. And so Riley kind of just smiled and said out loud, like, how am I going to answer this? And and he just and he had a good answer for it. So he just understands that the media has a job to do and he doesn't belittle anybody. You can tell he's incredibly bright when he's at the podium and talking to the media. Uh, heck, heck of a lot smarter than me, obviously. And it's just so clear when somebody is, is fully in control of all aspects of their job. And when you think of a player, a player, a person like Lincoln Riley, where he's got all these responsibilities as a head coach of Oklahoma, it's just that much more impressive. And so I say all of this because, well, number one, because everything I said is true. And number two, when I criticize something about Oklahoma football on the football field, it's not at all an attack on Lincoln Riley or the Oklahoma program or even the players or the coaches, things like that. It's just me saying what I've seen on the field based on my knowledge of football, which quite frankly is quite extensive for somebody who's not a football coach. I'm not an official football coach. I have zero issue with saying that about myself. I really do. I'm that confident in what I, what I know and what I see. And if I have an opinion on something football related, it's not just coming out of absolutely nowhere. I put a lot of time into studying the game and especially studying this Oklahoma football team. And I know Grant, I know Grant does as well. And anything I say on this podcast about a coach or a player, I'd like to think that I'd have no problem saying that same thing to their face if it was the appropriate time and the appropriate place. Now, if I'm wrong about something, I've got no problem admitting it to it. In fact, if if I'm wrong about something that I see on tape, the first thing I do is that I want to learn from that mistake so it doesn't happen again. These are the same principles that I had when I was playing football and baseball in my youth growing up, and the same principles that Lincoln Riley and his coaching staff and everybody that's playing for Oklahoma now and in the past have as well because they are around sports. That's what sports teaches you. And so, I, again, I, I bring all this up because last podcast I was listening to it, and I realized that I was coming off as being a little hard on Parnell Motley for his poor plays. And I want to say right now that I should have made it more clear that Motley also had some good plays in the game and he's still obviously a very darn good cornerback and I think he's owed that clarification and to be honest my job is to talk to these coaches and these players on occasion that's part of my job and I'm not going to sit here and assume that they've heard my opinions on them because they probably haven't however it's important to me to keep a friendly relationship with the Oklahoma football program and I'll admit that right here and right now. Sure, I'll continue to share my opinions on the team, but it also is important that ultimately I am respectful to Lincoln Riley and his program, and they've certainly earned that respect over the course of the time that I've been covering this team, which has been almost two years now. So one day I'd really love to be one of those people out there in the media who share their opinions without any reservations, but unfortunately I can't go that far yet because I haven't earned that right. And to the extent it's actually a right in our culture to be able to share whatever opinion you have in the capacity that I would like to. Um, So anyways, I hope that that all makes sense to the listeners. I know I've talked quite a bit, and this seems like a a stump speech of some sort. Uh, You know, we're always talking about credibility here on this show. You and I, Grant, we have, and it's very important to us because credibility is really all you have in the media. And I think it's constructive for me to be as upfront as possible with all of you where I'm coming from. And I think, Grant, that you have similar standards to mine, although I do not want to speak for you. So that's all I have to say. I I, I know this might have caught you off guard a little bit, but I'll let you respond or say your piece as well now that I'm done.
0: No, I agree. I echo your sentiments. Um, Credibility is big for me. Um, We want West of Everest to be just to be to be high level, honest, just really good discussion about OU football, and we want it to be raw and we want it you know i'll i'll say honest one more time because that's very important to us uh we're not going to we're not going to pump sunshine we're not going to you know we we're, we're just going to be honest to you that's all all right and so that's that's what a lot of and i know i i have been i've been a little bit negative too the last couple weeks um you know that's just it's which is funny now i mean they're 3 and 0 and there's really nothing to be negative about but it's just it's just kind of how it is it, there there does seem to be uh, in my opinion, especially since Rodney Anderson went down, there does seem to be a, a bit of a negativity amongst the fan base and and whatnot. And um, you know, I, I think uh, you know, I I, th- I think good faith disagreements and good faith discussions about this, especially amongst fans, is is fun. It's important. I like the challenge. I like doing that. I think it's I I think it's ludicrous to suggest that any of this is an attack uh, or a personal attack on any players or coaches or anything like that. It's none of that. This is just calling balls and strikes about. About our favorite college football team. That's what it is, and that's what it's going to continue to be. And you know, we, you and I, Lee, we think that we have a really unique and fair, um, you know, perspective on OU football, and we're going to continue to, you know, we're going to continue to share that perspective with everybody who's willing to listen. End of end of speech.
1: <laughs> and yeah. I, again, I want to reiterate too, just the the part when I said, or the the, the aspect of okay, listen, I'm a media member in Oklahoma. I have to talk to these players and coaches from time to time. And it's important that I am respectful of them because I would hope that they're respectful back to me. So I just want to make sure that that's out out in front, because I think it's important that you throw out everything so the listeners know, you know, I'm not somebody that's never at a press conference, never at a media availability. Therefore, I'm just going to go off and, and even if I'm not 100% sure about something, I'll just say something very negative just to kind of get listeners or just to kind of get some thoughts. You know, if I say something on this show, it's something that I've thought long and hard about. And it's something that I really believe is to be true. And I want to put it out there. So I just wanted to reiterate that aspect of it, too. And then a couple other points too, just about last week's game and about the last podcast where I kind of thought, you know, maybe I was being a little negative. And the first of all, the Hakeem Butler touchdown, I remember I I, got, I came down a little bit on Parnell Motley for being overly aggressive on that play, where he should have maybe been a little more conservative and tried to make the tackle and not go for the knockdown. You know, I was listening to Lincoln Riley's coach's show with my boss, Dean Blevins, on Sunday morning, and he had comments about that play, Lincoln Riley did. And he said, yeah, Motley was being aggressive, uh, but Curtis Bolton also just barely kind of grazed the football as he jumped up into the air. And that was such a, a play where they were so close to knocking it down. And, and Riley said, you know what? We can live with those kind of completions. We just got to get the players to the ground, referencing the poor tackling. So, you know what? I think I might have been too hard on Motley for that play because Riley said, hey, you know, we can live with some of those. He was just trying to make a play, but we got to tackle after the guy makes the catch. And so yeah, I didn't, I, I did yeah, I got that one wrong.
0: I called you out on that one. I
1: told you that was an insane throw
0: because it yeah. was.
1: But on the other hand, though, the main one that I really – and I had a whole thing on it if you listened to the last podcast was the late third quarter play where Motley got beat deep and a, a better throw would have resulted in an Iowa State touchdown pass all, in all likelihood because, because the receiver had to stop and come back to catch the ball, and then Motley caught him. On that play on the coach's show, Lincoln Riley, you could tell he was a little, a little perturbed watching that play. He said, yeah, Motley, he was, he was beat on a double move there. He said, quote, bad eyes by Motley. It's one thing to be overly aggressive trying to make a play, but you've got to do it within the scheme and what you're trying to do defensively. And what did I say on that play last week? I said that he was in a cover three zone, deep third of the field. And I think hearing Lincoln Riley say that on the coaches show confirms that he certainly was in cover three because within the scheme of that, he's not supposed to let anybody get behind him. And the bad eyes, when I talked about how he looked to the wide receiver instead of looking at the quarterback's eyes, that's what had him bite on that double move because he should have been looking at the quarterback and reading his eyes and keeping everything in front of him. So two different plays. I think I got one of them wrong. I think I got one of them right. And that's uh, that's all I have, though, on the last game. And if you have nothing else, we can move on to Army.
0: Yeah. I don't think I have anything else. That was, uh, that was very extensively. Thank you very much for sharing all of that.
1: <laughs> all right. I can't tell if you're being honest or not, or uh, I mean,
0: jerk. I don't know. I mean, we, we should, should we just like, should we bust, bust out the leather chairs and call like a therapist in or something? Do we need to, mm. sounds like we gotta, we gotta get a psychiatrist going or something. We're on I'm, a
1: bit of a tight schedule. So yeah. I don't <laughs> know if we have time for that, this particular, uh, podcast. No, I'm just, uh, just giving okay, you Okay. Yeah. Okay. So back to, back to Riley's presser and we're going to talk about things army now and surprise, surprise, multiple questions to Lincoln Riley about tackling at his weekly news conference. And Riley talked about how they're going to practice it. There's no doubt. So basically expect tackling to be heavily emphasized this week. And it doesn't take a genius to assume that was going to happen anyways. And another thing that stood out to me during Riley's presser, just talking about army, the team, the school, obviously the service Academy, uh, Riley just really drilled home. You must have respect for this team, and it's not just the team, it's just it's the players involved, just because the kind of people that they are. And that's something that he's going to make sure to talk to his team about this week or he has to make sure that this this is a team that you have to be very respectful of just because of what they're doing for our country. And they're playing football, but at the same time, they're serving. And I think it's interesting, too, that Tim Kish, the inside linebackers coach for Oklahoma used to coach at Army back in the 80s. So it's nice that Oklahoma has somebody on staff that is familiar with Army and what they do there and the, the kind of schedule that these players go through each and every day. And so I think that hopefully that gives Oklahoma a little bit of a leg up on preparation because Tim Kish can kind of fill them in. But also what Tim Kish can do, and he talked about it a little bit on Tuesday, is that Tim Kish can give the players at Oklahoma a background of, of who these players are, what they stand for, what kind of people they are, and I think that's important, too, because do you think it's kind of an obvious thing like, oh, yeah, of course you have respect for 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 army and people in, in service academies. But it's also good, though, just in case for some reason that fell between cracks of certain people, certain players, they don't know that stuff. It's good that there's people that can drill that in going into this game because this is a unique game against a unique team. So, um, Grant, any thoughts on that? No, not really. I thought you
0: you summarized it pretty well. I mean, there's a long honored tradition of of kind of these bigger power five programs treating you know the the service academies with respect as it should be. Um, hopefully, hopefully they do a cool little tribute or something on Owen Field on Saturday. I'm sure they do. I think I think they did for Air Force uh, you know a while back. So um, either way, yeah I, I think it's a cool it's a cool deal. I, I think it would be a I'm kind of le I'm sort of looking into maybe going to West Point next year. I think that would be really cool. Um, and is I, I'm it actually, next
1: year or is it uh, two it, years from now? It might it West might Westmore. be two
0: years from now. Actually, I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah, the it's it's either next year or two years from now. But I think that that would be really cool as well. So yeah, I mean, it's it's I it, you know obviously this is the first time you said what since 1961 they're playing Army, so that's that's a cool yeah. thing. I mean, Army used to be used to be the premier program in college football, um, so it's it's it, it, it's a cool deal either way. It's 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 always fun to see OU play a new opponent um especially the service academies. I think I think Air Force is the only other one, you know, I've I've ever seen them play. They've definitely never played Navy
1: um since I've been alive. And I was looking up the last time these two teams played because as, if you listen to this podcast a lot, you know that once you get to football season, the intro of the preview show, I try to find a play from the previous time Oklahoma played that team and that's that's our intro. And so I thought, okay, when's the last time Oklahoma played Army? Well, 1961. The game There's cameras, there's video, but I couldn't find anything online that had a good play by play. However, there was one portion of that game that I'm going to get a, uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I didn't commit a lot of this to memory. But in 1961, when Oakland played Army, I guess the Sooners were a huge underdog in that game. And there was a big time trick play that the Sooners ran that ended up, basically winning the football game for him and i was like oh interesting what's that gonna be so i I found a video on youtube and they showed it and the trick play was you're gonna think this is hilarious i mean just everybody in this day and age that doesn't know much about and i didn't know this either so to me this is hilarious grant you know what the trick play was (laughs) it was essentially oklahoma going no huddle (laughs) and just snapping the ball before the other team was ready before army was ready to play defense so like now no huddle is so common that we see it all the time but the trick play was that army apparently their defense would actually huddle before each snap so the army defense before after every play they would go get together and huddle on defense and so at oklahoma they was like hey you know what well those guys are huddling let's just run up to the ball and snap it quick <laughs> before they're ready and i saw the play and the guy went for like an 80 yard touchdown because army wasn't ready and they snapped it and they went around the left Left end near uh, near the boundary and scored. So I it's just hilarious that a trick play in 1961 was basically just a no huddle, a no huddle option play.
0: <laughs> Fifty seven years ago, OU was already setting trends back then. Incredible. Yeah. And I, and I and I I still maintain that it was that 2008 OU team that that popularized the the uh, the no huddle, you know, the no huddle going fast trend. I I, no, I really, no, it was Chip I really Kelly. feel like it was. I really, really feel like it was. Chip Kelly didn't come until the next season. BT dubs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that or remember that just because they assumed Oklahoma. They weren't the well, first I, team I don't know.
0: They, they OU wasn't the first team to do it. They were the first blue blood to do it. They were. Yeah. So and and th- and that actually the the really ironic part that it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like, you know, the, the five wide spread them out type of spread you see these days. They, it was just no huddle. They were a multiple team. They were in I formation that season just as much yep. as they were in the shotgun.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that was always the big knock to on Sam Bradford. It was like, oh, he's in a, you know, a West Coast, not a West Coast offense. He's in the, you know, the Big 12 shotgun offense all the time, Texas Tech type offense. Like, no, you didn't watch any film, did you? Sam Bradford was under center quite a bit in 2008, quite a bit.
0: Let's talk and, OU, and in
1: 2007 Ar- too. Sorry,
0: sorry to cut you off. He was yeah. he was under he was under under center a majority of the time the year before that as well. It's just, I don't know, not there's a lot of there's a lot of people who don't know what
1: the you know what they're talking about. What the, I mean, yeah, that doesn't know what they're talking about, yeah. All right, let's do the OU Army preview. We'll start with Army's offense against Oklahoma's defense cuz that's the main matchup that everybody wants to see or everybody's curious to see about in this game. Is you got the Army you know, you got the wishbone triple option Army attack that the cadets or the Black Knights led the nation in rushing a, a season ago. But now they've got a new quarterback and the new quarterback is throwing the ball more than Army threw all last year. In fact, Army has more pass yards now through three games than Army had all of the 2017 season. So they're able to throw the ball a little bit more. Doesn't you know, I, I saw so it's something that Oklahoma needs to look out for. But look, going into this game, though, something that I didn't know that's kind of interesting that, that's definitely a, a help for Oklahoma is that, Grant, there's new rules when it comes to blocking and blocking below the waist in particular. Apparently, these rules have affected Army so far this year. And the new rule is that all blocks below the waist must come within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Plus, all the blocks below the waist must come from the front unless it's from an offensive lineman while the ball is still inside the tackle box. I know it's a lot there, but just to give you some context, I saw a tweet from Army football beat writer Sal Interdonato from the Times-Herald-Record, and he said that Army's already been called for seven illegal block below the waist penalties through three games this year, and Army was only called for that same penalty four times all of 2017. So something's happening when it comes to blocking rules that is hurting Army as far as penalties wise and you know there could be a play on Saturday where Army makes a big explosive play but potentially there's going to be a a bad block that ends up bringing it back. So that's something to watch out for in this game. Grant, uh, your initial thoughts on this Army offense.
0: You know Lee, I it's actually Army was the first time in this kind of in this this digital era. There's not a whole lot of Army football out on YouTube actually. I think the their game against their game against Liberty is the full game was out there, but other than that they're they're kind of sandwich games with uh against Duke and Hawaii their full games are not on YouTube, so it's kind of hard to actually get a good look at them um having that been said lee they're they're pretty pretty uh pretty typical triple triple option offense um you know it's. Obviously going to be something, you know, different than they're used to seeing. Um, I'm sure a lot of the schemes or a lot of the ideas are going to be pretty similar to uh, Tulane from last year. They run the triple option just out of the shotgun. Um, they, do, they do throw the ball a little bit more. Um, I think they only threw it 20 times last year total, like actually attempted 20 passes. They've already. No, it was
1: something like forty or fifty attempts. Are you sure? Maybe or maybe maybe it yeah, was. Yeah, we that, went over this before.
0: Maybe it's that, that's like how many completions they had or something. I can't remember where that. Yeah, where that it, came Yeah, that's from. probably
1: more what it was. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but they've 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 thrown or per the stats, they've they've attempted thirty nine passes so far this year. Um, not not really completing a lot of them. Only at forty seven percent. lead. I you know it's it, it's hard to really get a good you know get a good grasp of this offense because it is what it is. It's triple option offense. Um, they do. They they run the triple option. That's what they do. You're going to see a lot of the basic stuff that probably a lot of the people listening to this podcast saw throughout high school and whatnot. Um, As far as their offense is concerned, uh, I'm I'm fully expecting the Sooners to give up a handful of explosive plays. That's still their M.O., and that obviously popped up a bit against um, Iowa State, and also against UCLA as well. Uh, They had two really long passes down the field in that game. Um, Army this year, when they've thrown the ball and when they've actually completed it, they've popped quite a bit. So, they only have eighteen completions, but that's gone for four hundred and twenty yards, so that's significant. Um, which means they're really getting a lot of people uh to go after play action looks and whatnot. Every pass they throw is gonna be out of a run look, I'm sure. Um so of course there's gonna be uh, you know, that's really gonna test their discipline and whatnot. But Lee, what's you know, what's what do you have to focus on when you're when you're facing a triple option offense? Just stay do your job.
1: Stay within your keys. That's all you have to do really. Well, first of all, I have to hit you for not being very good at searching on the internet because the duke army game is in full on youtube unless what? they've taken it down in, in the last two days but i i certainly was watching it last night on tuesday
0: i did not i so, was looking for it all day today and i
1: could not find it i had just i ended up watching like a 16 minute highlight video all right so there's it's a chance that maybe a uh, copyright something got got taken down in the last 24 hours so that you know that that's possible but that being said, I you know I mentioned the the quarterback that's thrown more. His name is Kelvin Hopkins Jr. Uh, you know what does it mean for Oklahoma that they've thrown the ball a little bit more? I'm not sure if it means a whole lot because when I was watching that Duke game and Duke's the only team comparable to Oklahoma that Army's played so far this season. They played Liberty and Hawaii prior to that. And I guess Hawaii was able to score a lot of points in the first 3 games it played and Duke was able to hold Hawaii at only 21. So I you know I suppose that's that's really good for Duke's defense, but offensively they threw the ball 20 times Army did against Duke, completed 11 of them, 11 of 20, I believe. And the thing was uh, 10 of 21, and it seemed like a lot of it came after Army had been trailing. So that's whenever you will see Army throw the football in a non-run formation. They'll go out of the shotgun here and there. And even when they were trailing that game, and it was kind of like a, a touchdown, two touchdowns. They would hit some big pass plays, but still, rel- they had a big third quarter, but out, outside of that, Duke, Pretty much dominated that game. Army put the ball on the ground three times in the first half, lost two fumbles. That led to, I believe, 10 Duke points, and they probably should have lost the third fumble as well. One of the Duke players jumped on it, and then the ball must have been slippery. He didn't recover it. Uh, Ever since that, though, the first half of the Duke game, Army has not turned it over since then. So they've gone, I believe that's 10 straight quarters without a turnover. So something to look forward to. I mean, Not forward to, but I mean... This is a team that probably is, is going to hold on to the football, even though there's pitches and they run the ball a lot. Uh, they're really good at holding on to the ball. Uh, and the, the big question for me that, I, that I'm that i kind of concerned about, just even though Oklahoma's talent obviously is a lot better than Army, you know, my, my question is, you know, what does Oklahoma have to do to limit big plays but then also limit the amount of possessions – where Army can just chew the clock. Because another thing with Army, they want to control the time of possession. I think they've averaged nearly like, almost 40 minutes per game time of possession, so they limit the possessions of the opposing team. And so if they get a stop on defense, that's big because then they can make sure that the opposing team doesn't get the ball that much, and they just go down the field You know, three yards here, four yards here, maybe pop a 12-yard run on a play. I mean, that's their game plan, and they want to limit the, t- uh, the times that Kyler Murray can get the ball – that kind of concerns me because if Oklahoma, you know, gets stopped or can't score one time, you know, we know that Oklahoma defense is not especially after Iowa State, it's not great. You know, what if Imer goes on, you know, a a two, three, four drives in the game where they're taking five, six minutes off the clock? That's a concern to me. What about what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 one of very few concerns, uh, to be honest with you. Lee, I do just just to uh just to highlight their time of possession. That was that was not any more evident than last week against Hawaii. Lee, Hawaii only ran 45 plays in that game last, last week against army. That's insane, but they did average about eight That's yards. Nuts, yeah. They, they did average about eight yards per play though, and about a 49% success rate. So they were, they were fairly successful against army as well. Um, also Lee per S and P army, very, very lucky to win that game last week against Hawaii. They only had an 8% win expectancy in that game. Um, Interesting. yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's obviously a concern. Um I'm you know I'm a little more concerned with Army ripping off big plays than I am, you know, of them going on long, time consuming drives. Um I am I'm, I'm not sh- what Oklahoma has, you know, done a pretty decent job this year of being efficient on defense. It really has just been the big play that's killed them just like last year. Um and I think that's really how Army's gonna have to move the ball. I, I honestly don't see them. I don't see them having a ton of success just getting two, three, four yards here and there. I don't think they're going to be able to
1: do that. I mean, that's what the offense is, is designed to do. And, you know, what Oklahoma has to do, I mean, the whole point of defending the option is you got a guy on the dive, you got a guy on the quarterback, and you got a guy on the pitchman. And hopefully if you're really good, you've got more than just a guy on each one of those things. Maybe you got – either two players or maybe a player and a half that's responsible for maybe two different assignments depending on what happens on the play and really what you're going to be looking for is that that those dive players that's going to be your interior line your Neville Gallimores your Imani Bledsoe's they're going to be the ones your, your linebackers as well trying to take away that dive that fullback dive where it's just you, you see the they give that quick handoff to the fullback and, every, and all, all of a sudden the guy squirts out and he's just running down the middle of the field with nobody there I mean those are the plays that scare me to death with the option because they could just they can cut you up inside and be explosive. So that's that's the interior of the defense. Like I said, Gallimore, Bledsoe. you got your Kenneth Murray's, your your Curtis Boltons. Those are the guys that are responsible for those dive plays. Then you got you got your defensive end whose job is to squeeze down, look for that quarterback. He's on the QB. So you got the Kenneth Mann, your your Ronnie Perkins, your Mark Jackson Jr., those are your defensive ends type players who are going to be responsible for the quarterback crashing down getting down the line taking the quarterback away and then when the quarterback wants to pitch it you got your pitch man and that's usually going to be depending on how the, the sooners line up you got either your strong safety maybe even your uh your nickel back depending on who it is and he's got the pitch man you know that justin Broyles, bookie you know we'll see who oklahoma assigns who, who they want to to do this and it's just again if you can't drill it in anymore it's just assignment sound football not over pursuing and knowing what your job is you got to beat a block or two you always got to beat a block it's just like regular football you got to make plays um so that's kind of like the x's and o's just a simple way to, to control and defend the option one thing that i noticed from duke in the first half i was watching them and it, and it worked sometimes didn't work all the time but i kind of liked the the principle of it granted it looked like they always had a linebacker up near the line of scrimmage for Duke, and he would just crash in every single time, just blitz. Like, basically, a run blitz, I think, is what you like. like so he, no matter what, he would just come in, which is almost like the idea was, like, yo, if, if he's picking the right gap that they're pl- running in perfect, he can make a play. If not, it kind of forces the quarterback to, to make a decision quicker than maybe they'd like. I kind of like that. I kind of liked how they tried to force Army's hand by bringing a linebacker every single time essentially, trying to maybe force, again, Army's hand. So we'll see if Oklahoma tries to do something like that, where maybe a guy like Curtis Bolton or maybe a, you know, a, a guy like even like Buki is just going to just crash in there and just try to force Army to do something they don't necessarily want to do. So that was kind of interesting that I saw on film from Duke. Of course, Lee, if
0: you're going to do that, you better have a whole lot of confidence in your ability to tackle if you're going to be sending that extra guy and. I don't know. Yep. Let's we'll see if Mike Stoops has that confidence. I'm not sure he. I'm not sure he has evidence on the field to be that confident. Uh, to be honest with you, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't hate that idea. You know, from a you know from a principle standpoint, and of course Lee, we, we talk about this. You know, kind of like it's simple. Of course, on this Lee, the calculus is really easy, but the execution is far from easy. Sure. You know, army army practices this every single day. They're good at it. Um. So you know they practice. They're going to make some plays, and so be prepared for that. They're gonna they're gonna pop off some big ones in this game. That I promise. Oh,
1: absolutely, you. absolutely. Just a, uh, I guess, a comp- for comparison's sake, a lot of you may remember last year that Army played at Ohio State, and of course Ohio State, a team Oklahoma played last year, one of the best teams in college football, and Ohio State won the game thirty-eight to seven. So yeah, it's a blowout on the scoreboard, but it wasn't like Ohio State. You know, beat them down 55 to seven or something like that. And it's a game where Army controlled the clock 36, about 37 minutes of the game, Army had the football. The thing is, though, Ohio State, in their 23 minutes of possession, racked up nearly 600 total yards. And so this will be a good transition then into our discussion of the oklahoma offense against the army defense and grant i think you might be the same as me on this i think you might have some stats but i don't have a whole lot to say about about this matchup oklahoma frankly should be able to run its offense and move the ball at will against this defense duke had no problems running the football against army and a few times the blue devils threw the ball they didn't throw it a whole lot against Army, but when they did, it went for big time plays. Their quarterback, Daniel Jones, averaged eleven point six yards per attempt, which is very good. So Oklahoma really, there's nobody on that Army defense that's particularly scary. It should be able to run its offense and run its offense effectively. What are your thoughts on the OU offense against the Army defense?
0: Yeah, Lee, the Army defense is is bad. It's it's really bad. It's it's um Let's. This is Lee. This this is the worst team that OU has played so far this year. It is. Um. So this is their. This is going to be a game that looks very similar, probably to the Florida Atlantic game on offense, with how easily they're able to move the ball. Um. It's just it's it's a total mismatch in the trenches. Um. And and this Army defense really, Lee, on a, on a play by play basis, has not played you know great up to this point. Um. And of course they they got. You know Duke was was able to have quite a bit of success moving the ball on them. Uh, their second game against Liberty, it was a game they won and only gave up 14 points, but Liberty still averaged about 7 yards per play in that game, nearly 50% success rate. Right? I've already told you last week, Hawaii averaged over 8 yards per play. Uh, OU is going to be able to do what they want on offense in this game. Um, if, if it's one of those games where if, if they struggle... Um, you know there's probably some sort of lack of focus or or something like that but this is this is another one of those games where there is a complete mismatch in the trenches they army really
1: doesn't have much of a prayer to to stop OU consistently in this game whatsoever so this could be a good game for some other running backs potentially to get a little more action outside of Trey Sermon and Marcellius Sutton because uh, at the press conference on Monday, Lincoln Riley was asked about Kennedy Brooks and T.J. Pledger, and, and Riley said that Kennedy Brooks is is pretty close to earning a role on this team, and he mentioned that Brooks and Pledger are doing some things behind the scenes that that us media members and the fans haven't seen, obviously because we're not at practice, and he said that uh, Riley said that he's excited for whatever Brooks gets that shot, and obviously that that decision's up to Lincoln Riley whenever that happens, you know, whenever he's ready for it. So maybe this will be a game. That he'll get a, He'll have a chance to to utilize a little more of his running backs against a defense like Army's that allowed over five yards per carry to a Duke team. That uh, you know against an Oklahoma offense or against an Army defense that again is going to be overmatched on the interior line and the offense in, in the trenches on both sides. That's something to look out for to see how they utilize the running backs and see if Oklahoma's offensive line and running back group can get into more of a rhythm against this Army defense. Absolutely,
0: but also keep in mind this is a game where. You know, you, you you may see a pretty limited amount of plays, maybe not a ton of opportunities. That's a good um, point. But also at the same also at the same time, one of the biggest misnomers kind of around college football is that OU is a team that likes to work quickly. Uh, just not true at all. They're they're not a very fast paced team, really at all. They don't huddle, but no teams huddle these days. Uh, Lee are kind of I'm trying to find this in their their stat profile in S and P. Lee, they're a hundred and second in the country in tempo. OU is. I mean,
1: when Oklahoma, the cool thing is though when Oklahoma. Needs or wants to go fast, they can. That's that's kind of what I I think. Yeah,
0: and and I think that is you know, that's very valuable, and and I think that's what you wanted. It's just to be able to do both is huge, and that was one of their weapons last year. Being able to ice you know ice games with their running game in the second half kind of came back to bite them in in the Rose Bowl. They sort of leaned on that a little too much, but uh, I mean,
1: especially in the Big Twelve, that's huge, huge. Just looking at the Army preview from SB Nation from your guy Bill Connolly who does the S P stuff and and he writes this he always writes these previews at certain times of the year this one's from like May so who knows what's what's changed from May to September but one of the points he brings up about Army last season uh, the defense I think the defense is returning a decent amount of players but it's a service academy so there's not a whole lot you can put into returning players for, from what I can understand by reading his breakdown of Army but the defensive line And the defensive back havoc rate was one of the worst in the nation on both levels. The linebackers, though, were pretty good. So according to this, they were 123rd in D-line havoc rate in 2017, 120th overall in DB havoc rate in 2017. But the linebackers were 12th in that. So apparently at the second level, Army might be pretty okay. But on the line and in the secondary, not great. Sure, there's different players potentially now, but I thought that was kind of interesting to bring up because it's a man, it's a huge discrepancy. Yeah, Lee, and I saw I saw a
0: defensive line that that honestly got bullied by Duke, completely bullied. Um, so we'll see what that OU offensive line can do. I have a feeling it'll be you know pretty similar results, um, and I hope so. Uh, this is this is a game in which Oklahoma's offense uh, they they need to do what they're supposed to do in this game. Agreed. All right, Grant, what
1: do you want to see happen in this game?
0: I'm it, this is going to be a, a theme of mine Lee the entire season. I, I want to see domination in the trenches because that's you know th- that's where that's where you're gonna win a national championship down the line still is in the trenches. And so I really want to see them develop. Now um I, I, I did talk about Lee in, in the game last week that I didn't think I, I thought the I thought the offensive line was was fine. They weren't great, they weren't spectacular, they were they were fine, they were passable. Um, this is the third game of the season. And a lot of those guys haven't played together um, in those exact positions for a long time. And I want to go back a little bit to 2015. Lee. That was Lincoln Riley's first season as the offensive coordinator. And uh, that offensive line, the first half of the year was kind of a mess. If everyone remembers how much of a debacle that Texas game was, where Josiah St. John was the starting right tackle. He was tipping off, whether or not it was a run and pass play. Um, The offensive line really struggled to protect Baker Mayfield that season. Um, but kind of after the uh, the Texas game that season, the offensive line really started to gel. And I think actually they started to take off in the second half of last season as well. Um, so... It's certainly a valuable, you know, thing when you're talking about there with allowing that offensive line to gel over the course of the year. And so I would really like to see them just take a step forward and dominate the defensive line that they absolutely should dominate. So I want everyone to, to you know, to be on a lookout for that. Uh, I, I I really hope they can throw for over or run for over three hundred yards in this game, Lee. And I and I do um I I do want to see all of the running backs. I want to see every single one of them uh get carries and really I I just want to see an utterly dominant performance uh, on the ground by the offense that's the thing I'm going to be looking out you know for the most as well as the defensive line I want to see them in the backfield especially Neville Gallimore I want to see him you know push the center into the backfield on nearly every single player uh, nearly every single play as he should
1: I share your sentiments on the offense Lincoln Riley talked about how he doesn't think it's any more difficult right now to run the ball than it has been before. It's specifically the question comes up because of Rodney Anderson's absence. You know, teams will try different things, teams make it difficult on you. It's a certain thing. He's just he's he's waiting for the offense to start clicking more offensively on the offensive line in particular. Kind of the same things that you were kind of saying. Just it sounds like he's just kind of waiting for those bigger runs to start getting popped off because he referenced last season that he said it wasn't until about the two lane game where Abdul Adams broke off a real long run. And before that, Oklahoma really hadn't busted off many explosive runs. So in his mind, in Lincoln Riley's mind, it's like, you know what? It's just, it's coming along. It's still early on in the season. The offensive line's going to start gelling more and more and the team and their running game will look a lot better as the season progresses, which I think is kind of what you were talking about too. As far as what I want to see, all that stuff, defensively, I want to see his Oklahoma defense allow at most a touchdown. That's it. Ohio State allowed one touchdown to Army last year. Ohio State hosting them. I know Ohio State's defense ultimately was better than Oklahoma's last year statistically. If there's Oklahoma defense, I think this Oklahoma defense is better than last year's. I want to see them allow, at the most, one touchdown. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not 100% confident that they they can only allow one touchdown to an Army offense. That can be explosive. But that's what I want to see happen. Uh, What will happen in this game, Grant? Give me a prediction.
0: I think you're going to see a game that, you know, has a lot of really high points, and I think there's probably going to be some times that people are able to point to and say, ah, you know, I wish we could shore that up, and I think that's mostly going to be on the defensive side. Um, also, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there's, there's a couple drives that stall out a little bit, and that's okay. Um, but this is going to be a weird game. I, I really think Army's probably going to be able to hold on to the ball a little bit longer than we're used to, and they're just not going to have as many opportunities. Having that been said a vast majority of the time Oklahoma is going to be able to move the ball at will on offense. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, they're going to have a game where they're very close to nine or 10 yards per play. I think they're going to be, they're going to be ripping off chunk, you know, chunk plays all, all night long. You know, I, I I think they're going to come very close to covering the, the, the 31 point spread. Um, And all I, and I'm going to say that knowing that there was a piece published today on SB nation today's Wednesday, about how I think going back to the early 90s or something like that, the service academies, um, when, they're, when they're underdogs by like four touchdowns or more, they cover the spread 75% of the time. So Oh, wow, good poll. Yeah, it, so we'll, 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 we'll see what happens, of course. But I, I, I think OU is going to be very, very close to covering the spread. Think, think of a game kind of like the UCLA game. You know, when
1: I first saw the line was over 30, I immediately thought, I I don't see Oklahoma covering just because of Army's ability to hold the ball for so long and controlling the clock. I mean, that's what you're concerned about. If you're if you're on Oklahoma minus 31, you're not afraid of Oklahoma, or you're not afraid, you're not worried that Oklahoma is not going to be able to score. What you're worried about, though, is if they're going to get enough possessions to cover that 31-point spread and if the defense is going to be able to actually hold Army to, you know, let's say, you know, fourteen points. I think I think if Army if, if OU allows fourteen points in this game, I think you're gonna feel pretty good about laying the thirty one. But if Oklahoma gives up more than two touchdowns in this game, you're gonna be sweating it out. So that's what you're worried about. So I'm gonna stick with my gut and think that they're not gonna cover the thirty one point spread just because they're gonna run out of time. And also too, it's I don't know how much Oklahoma's gonna want to, you know, put the nail in the coffin and, and blow out Army just because of the whole respect factor. I like 45 to 14 which i know lands right on the push side of this 31 point spread to be fair though when i last saw the spread before now as we looked on wednesday it was higher it was 32 and a half so some places some money's coming out in oklahoma it's made the spread bigger and bigger so i'm going to go with 45 14 depending on where you get the spread if you if you can get oklahoma at minus 30 you know go for it but i I would tend to lean towards taking Army plus all those points, especially if they still are at 32.5 at a, a, another place I saw. And of course, if, what,
0: I, if I had a choice, I would stay as far away from this game as humanly possible.
1: That too. That too. Big 12 games this week and week four as we complete our Army OU discussion. Uh, if, if you're all done with OU stuff and you don't want to hear us talk about the Big 12 or the rest of the college football landscape, then we'll bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. See ya for the OU Army uh, breakdown slash uh, review on Monday. But if you want to keep listening to us talk about Big Twelve and the rest, stick with us. We'll start with the Big Twelve games to watch. I, I think I put all these all the Big Twelve games in here. Uh, Akron's at Iowa State. Iowa State's a 19 point favorite. It, Iowa State's 0 and two. They'd be one and two as if if they got a chance to play that first game. But uh, you know Iowa State needs this win. Obviously, Akron's two and zero. So Akron's they, actually they had a good start.
0: Some, they beat somebody significant last week, too, and I forgot who it is. I'm looking. I think it was a Big Ten team. I'll let you it, look. It was a Big Ten team. I'm, I'm looking real quick, though. Where's Akron? So,
1: yeah, before we get... So I'll, I'll just go on to the next one. We yeah, go they beat back Northwestern. Northwestern. Yeah. Did Northwestern beat Purdue in the first night of the year? Yes. And apparently, that, apparently both those teams just stink.
0: Yeah, and well then so, Purdue yeah, I mean, lost to Eastern Michigan and then Mizzou last week. So I, think, I don't think either of those
1: teams are particularly good so Iowa state needs a win in a big way over akron kansas state at west virginia that's a pretty interesting matchup i think kansas state stinks grant uh west virginia hadn't played in a couple weeks they uh were canceled because of the hurricane stuff last week mountaineers are 16 point favorites in this game that's probably about right the thing is though west virginia what are you gonna get from west virginia's defense you know kansas state's defense isn't very good they're not going to slow down will greer but uh, will West Virginia's defense be able to ha- you know handle the the two running backs playing quarterback for Kansas State and hold them down enough to cover that sixteen point spread? I don't know. That's a tough one. What do you think?
0: I also think Kansas State kind of stinks, but I could also uh, this also feels like the game where they're just it's this is the perfect Bill Snyder setup game where they're going to go into West Virginia and they're just gonna they're gonna kill the clock. They're gonna have possession the entire game and. And, you know, West Virginia is going to have three really unfortunate turnovers and Kansas State is just going to do it again when they have no business winning a game. It kind of feels like that, but we'll see. I, I My, my opinion is on... Of ref-
1: you're referencing back when K-State came into Norman, basically. and Basically, when they had, they had
0: no business winning
1: that game and they still somehow did.
0: Um, you know what? I, this game is going to go a long way in me determining my feelings on Kansas State for the rest of the season. If they go in to West Virginia and they just get... They just get run off the field. Kansas State may be, may be the second worst team in the Big Twelve. Um, if they if if we see kind of a patented Kansas State performance, we might see, you know, same old Kansas State as as, as the Big Twelve season kicks into gear. Uh, we'll see. Interesting game for sure. I, I I lean West Virginia just because Kansas State um, was so unimpressive against Mississippi State two weeks ago. Just I mean, we're 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 I mean, we're worse at every position. At, than West Virginia, or I'm sorry, than Mississippi State, uh, Kansas State just not looking great at all.
1: Yeah, I'd lean towards West Virginia right now too. I just don't, yeah. Uh, you know, going back to the summertime, I just don't, I didn't understand. Not that Kansas State was being built up very high, but I just didn't get it. I mean, it was mostly uh, surrounded. Uh, it was mostly the oh, these guys bring back their entire offensive line, which is a significant thing, but that hasn't mattered really through the first three games, from what I can tell. Uh, They don't have any quarterbacks. I mean, their quarterbacks aren't good, and that means a hell hell of a lot. Kansas at Baylor. And Kansas all of a sudden is kind of interesting, Grant. Two and one, Baylor playing seven and a half. I haven't had a chance to see any of these teams play, so I just, I mean, that's a game happening. I don't have any thoughts on it, really, but uh, the fact that Kansas has, like, blown two teams out back-to-back weeks, good good for them. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on this game?
0: No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen either team play really at all. all right. um, I, I looked at you know I looked at the box score for Baylor uh, and Duke last week. It looks like you know looks like Duke kind of benefited from some turnover luck, and Baylor maybe should have won that game. Um, I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen a lot of them. I, I hear Matt Rule is, has not even really settled on Charlie Brewer, and he was kind of making some switches in the Duke game. So I think that's something to watch out for for sure. But well, we'll definitely get a lot of Baylor
1: tape after this upcoming Saturday oh, yeah, considering because right. we'll, OU we'll, plays Baylor after Army. So we'll yeah, get we'll, a lot we'll, of,
0: mm-hmm. we will deep dive into them very hard, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and then finally, there's two, two bigger games on Saturday in the Big 12. TCU laying three points on the road at Texas. Interesting matchup because you got Texas coming off of the big win over USC. USC might stink even though that safety, that non-safety call, may have really changed that game. Uh, kind of killed USC and they didn't do anything after after that missed call. Uh, and they got TCU coming off the loss to Ohio State where in you know, a lot of ways they could have won that game. They're they're leading for a decent amount of time. I I would I would definitely lean at this point I'm leaning towards TCU because I just don't like Texas a whole lot, but apparently Texas plays pretty well when they're underdogs at home. Uh but this is I mean I can see why this is TCU minus 3. I don't have any strong thoughts on it right now, Grant. What do you think? Lee Tom Herman is 10
0: and 1 against the spread as an underdog in his head coaching career. Um, Wow. That's, that's what that's, I, I I feel like that's the only reason why this, this spread is so low. Um, Yeah. I don't know, Lee. So I, I obviously, you know, I I lean TCU or I like TCU, but the, 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 the three point spread has me kind of spooked a little bit. That Vegas knows something we don't know. Um, I listened to RJ Bell's podcast today. He said that 90% of public money is coming in on TCU um so that tells me I mean I'm I'm instantly scared now because that tells me when everyone's zigging that we need to zag um I don't know I I I I have no reason to believe Texas is going to win this game but for some reason my gut is telling me that Texas is going
1: to win the game is that weird no it's not weird I've been on the wrong side I've I've bet Texas twice this year I was on the wrong side of both of them the, the Maryland game I bet Texas lost then the USC one, I had USC and lost this time Now that I'm thinking more about it, you know, I almost feel like I need to stand my ground because I had Texas ahead of TCU in the preseason Big 12 poll. Because I just I'm down on TCU this year, and yeah, I I was I was somewhat impressed by the way they handled themselves against Ohio State, but at the same time, I I'm still not sold on that team because I don't like their quarterback. I don't like Robinson. I don't think he's very good, and obviously, I don't like Texas quarterbacks either. But now I am kind of I think I'm talking myself into I'll probably end up taking Texas in the points now that I'm again talking myself into it but uh so on this podcast not that we're making we're, we're making our picks later this one doesn't count but yeah right now I I'm, I'm thinking I'm more on the Texas side. Lee, I just one
0: one last thing on Texas, you know, they're getting a lot of credit for beating USC by 23 last week. Lee, I mean usc averaged more yards per play than texas in that game texas only averaged 4.8 yards per play in that game yeah, good. 30 35 success rate they only had le- i mean they won the game by 23 points per s&p they only had a 58 percent win probability uh so that tells you they had a lot of turnover luck is what that means um yeah i i don't know what to make of texas yet um i, I they got a lot of good players and i still really like their defense to be honest with you i think they're Todd Orlando and their defense are probably going to be able to cook stuff up to give TCU some fits. I just, I really struggle picturing Texas moving the ball consistently against TCU at all. I, I just, yeah, I, that's I, a good point. As of right now, I just can't see it. But you know, hey, it's 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 a week to week thing, and you know, Texas does have quite a bit of talent there. Where they don't have a ton of talent is in the running back room. I, I've been I, I've been hammering that for the last couple weeks. They they don't have a lot of talent at running back
1: whatsoever. Man, it's got to be tough to be a Texas fan just they're just they're such a blah team uh all right next up last big 12 game texas tech at oklahoma state pretty intriguing game you got the cowboys who may be a lot better than people were giving them credit for when i say people i mean people like me who i I thought the cowboys would be kind of eh this year and just like that their defense looks really good they're gonna get more of a test probably than boise state gave them super curious to see what happens in this game Uh, cowboys are favored by 13 points uh I tend to think this one's going to be pretty high scoring. I mean, I'm not going out on any limbs there, but at the same time I thought the Boise State OSU game would be pretty high scoring too and that really wasn't. I think it hit, I think the under hit on that one. So, uh, right now I it's hard for me to go against Oklahoma State after how well they had a the game plan for Boise State last week and I'm just not the biggest Cliff Kingsbury guy at all. Especially I think Oklahoma State's defense is is playing some good ball. What do you have uh, what are your thoughts on this one?
0: Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma State's going to win this game. Um, You know, throw me right in there, too. The people who thought Oklahoma State was going to have a really difficult season. um, Clearly, they're playing really well. Um, I'm surprised. And a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, with their new defensive coordinator and the aggressive defense they're playing. I, I, I respect the hell out of the way they're playing defense. I love it. Um, having that been said, Texas tech, I think is, is definitely going to present more of a challenge probably than Boise state did. Um, Lee, I did, I was able to go back and watch a bit of the Boise state, Oklahoma state game, make no mistake about it. Uh, Oklahoma state dominated Boise state's offense. Um, and I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty tough to watch, especially probably if you're a Boise state fan, although Lee, I I don't think I've ever seen an offense more ill prepared to face what they were about to face. And Boise
1: state was they like, they, they looked like they were totally surprised by the pressure. Well, Ohio, Ohio, oh my God! Oklahoma State did a lot of different things in that game than they had been the past previous couple games. They, I think they, they saved some stuff for Boise State. Well, that's interesting. That,
0: that's interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, let's. I mean, if if you go look at Oklahoma State's schedule, very manageable up until Bedlam, November tenth. I mean, it'd be it would be something if they if they came in the Norman undefeated for Bedlam. That'd be really cool.
1: Be something. All right, before we get to the picks that will end our show against the spread, let's cross them off. Our newest segment. I think this is the third, third week in a row we've done it. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, this is where we eliminate teams from national championship contention. So far, I have crossed off Notre Dame and Michigan. Grant has crossed off Notre Dame and Washington. Grant, any teams you want to cross off this week? Yep, and it's probably going to surprise people. They were... Well,
0: I mean, one of them is going to surprise people, one of them probably won't, but these were the two teams that played in, you know, one of the one of the marquee games this past week, Lee. I am crossing off Auburn who lost to LSU, and I am also crossing off LSU because they've officially joined the conversation as a national title contender, and I'm just going to go ahead and cross them off now. There is no chance they're winning the national
1: title. All right. So so you're basically doing the same exact thing I did a couple weeks ago in the Notre Dame Michigan game. Even though one of those teams was victorious, I still crossed them both off.
0: (laughs) I'm only, exactly, I'm just, I I am, I'm going to cross off teams that enter the national championship discussion. Um, I already, you know, Notre Dame and Washington, I felt, well, so Washington started the season there. Um, I crossed them off because I I don't think you can win a national championship with Jake Browning. Um, I cross off Notre Dame. Uh, because they entered the national title discussion after week one against Michigan. Um, and then I cross them off because you cannot win a national championship with Brandon Wimbush. And essentially, Lee, I'm crossing off Auburn not for the same reasons. I think you can win a national championship in all likelihood with Jared Stidham. However, Auburn has, has dropped a game on their schedule, their brutal schedule. They absolutely could not drop um, a home game. They couldn't, they couldn't lose any home games. They lost one. They're done. They're probably going to lose two or three more times over the course of the season. And, Lee, I'm just going to fade LSU now because people are going to start talking themselves into LSU. And I'm telling you, Joe Burrow is not leading anyone to any national championship ever. So just forget about
1: it now. Oh man, don't be so harsh on my man, my main man, Joe Burrow. They're, I'm, Joe. they're
0: just in, in this in this day and age, LSU does not do enough on they are nowhere near good enough on offense to even begin entertaining <laughs> the idea of even honestly making the playoff.
1: No, I, I tend to agree. I just I remember when I went back to watch the LSU Miami game, I was so prepared to to think that Joe Burrow was an awful awful quarterback, and I watched it, and I was like, yeah, this guy's actually not that terrible. This guy's actually capable of making some big throws so i kind of in, in a weird way my expectations were so low on burrow that i'm actually kind of like higher on him now than i probably should be let's let's let, let's see him make those
0: big throws when he absolutely has to and it's it's tua on the other sideline and that and that and that other offense is absolutely oh, going, well, I mean, going to score if he doesn't let's see score. any quarterback let's see him do that, do that. against alabama i know I mean, that Alabama's was just okay well i yeah. mean let's let, let's do it for someone else i mean let's if it's if it's Dwayne Haskins on the other side, or if it's Kyler Murray, and that other offense is absolutely going to score if he doesn't score, let's see if he can do it. He can't.
1: Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right, so you cross those teams off. Uh, I'm surprised. I, I'm gonna. I, I think you might add to your list after I cross my first one off. Uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's crossed off. They're done. Yeah, but they're also they're they're also totally eliminated
0: from national title discussion. Also, so I don't know if they're. These are this. My list still includes teams that are technically still being discussed. Wisconsin's done.
1: Well, that's what we're doing here. That's I mean, that's the whole point of cross them off. So I'm going to cross off Wisconsin. Well, I'm not going to cross off. OK, go ahead. I'll let you I'll, I'll let you plead your case. No, to, to you're
0: you're right. That's fine. I mean, we didn't we didn't set out any rules, but I, I I just wanted to acknowledge that that was that was one of my playoff picks. And I was I was a year late on Wisconsin. I was wrong. Clearly.
1: All right. Like, I'm not going to cross off Auburn because even though they did have that one loss, their schedule is so brutal that, in theory, if they win out, they'll still be capable of making the playoffs. So even though I know you're saying they're going to lose two or three more games, and I, I tend to probably lean more towards agreeing with you, they, those games haven't happened yet, so I will give them the benefit of the doubt right now. I'll leave Auburn off the cross off list, and since LSU's unbeaten, I and from what I said a moment ago about Joe Burrow, I... I'm higher on Joe Burrow than I am on uh, a guy like Malik Rozier, a guy like Brandon Wimbush. I mean, that's and even and you're not literally shape. you're not
0: you're not saying anything when you say that. Like, I mean, everyone well, is. I mean, uh, there's but that's you, why, you like, can, that's you why can Notre Dame probably, is crossed probably you can name off. 50, 60, 70 quarterbacks okay. that are better than those guys.
1: Let me clarify that. That's why Notre Dame is crossed off for me is just Brandon Wimbush. Just isn't the guy. And uh, Michigan's crossed off because Michigan's offense is terrible whenever they play anybody that has a pulse. So that's why Michigan's gone. I, so Wisconsin's crossed off, and I, I i had one more, I thought. I had one more team I thought I crossed off. Maybe not. Maybe it's just Wisconsin for me this week, which is kind of boring. But, uh, yeah, we're just going to go with Wisconsin this week. I clearly was not as prepared for this as I have been in the past. But I don't, you had I, two, so good on you.
0: And I do want to – I mean, I'm – here, here just a little back i'm gonna get a little emotional for a second not actually emotional but i'm just speaking from emotion i freaking hate wisconsin as a football program um a, a lot of that has to do with i i graduated from the university of minnesota and they i i, I would compare like uh, minnesota is like oklahoma state and wisconsin is like oklahoma it's one of those relationships uh because it's such a lopsided rivalry but i i hate their program their fans really bug me um and I just want to say it really bugs me the one year I finally get on their bandwagon and they lose to BYU at home. A, a, game, a, like a game in which I always would have picked them to lose that they win by 30 and they actually do lose this time. So I'm upset about that. Um, just wanted to let everybody know.
1: <laughs> All right. That's, uh, that's great. Appreciate that. Uh, one more quick random thing before moving to picks because this team is not involved in our picks. I got to say... There's a chance as this season progresses, Grant, that I might do a complete 180 on my thoughts and feelings about one Penn State. Just going to throw that out there. Just going to okay. throw it. And, and even after they were scared in week one and almost lost. So well, I mean, that's a little bit of a tease for the rest of the year.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, they play Ohio State um, in next week, actually. So that'll be interesting. I, I think we'll. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll see what they're made of
1: then. All right, let's do the picks and get out of here. Last week I went three and two. Grant, rough one. You were one and four.
0: I had an absolutely brutal week last week. You know, Lee and I were we're in this thing where we pick. You know, we pick other games too. And Lee, I was I was two and eight of the ten ga- of the ten college games I picked against the spread last week. It was bad, and I like I missed on some of them like by a lot.
1: Yeah, I was five and five. I believe in that, but in the NFL because we do NFL too. I got crushed in the NFL. I was 2 and 8 in the NFL. Just a horrible, horrible week. I got to reassess everything I have ever thought about the National Football League cuz I do not have a feel so far through 2 weeks of that. And really college football I don't have a great feel either. 5 and 5 is not great. So let's get into the picks here. Overall on the season, you and I are both 7 and 8. We'll start with a Friday kickoff. And this is a fun game. Florida Atlantic at Central Florida. Central Florida is laying 14. Grant, I'm going to go with Central Florida covering the 14-point spread. I think they have an okay defense. I like McKenzie Milton. He hasn't played in a while. Uh, I like that offense going against the FAU defense, who really I don't think is that great, even though they have all those returning starters. I'll swallow the 14 points and take Central Florida. What say yeah, you?
0: Yeah, I'll also take UCF. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, like, a, like a massive blowout by any means, but I, I think they're going to win by 17 to 21 points. Look, FAU is probably going to put up some yards and some points in this game.
1: Next one Notre Dame, the eighth ranked team in the nation, seven and a half point favorites at Wake Forest. And simply, I will take Wake Forest plus seven and a half at home against the Notre Dame team who has been struggling and playing its first road contest, I believe. I know Wake Forest, I believe, lost last week, but Wake Forest has a couple extra days to prepare. because They had that Thursday or Friday night game where they played Boston College, I think, uh, and I just don't like Notre Dame right now. I'll take the, I like that extra half point as well. I will take Wake Forest. Grant, what do you say? Lee, I will also take Wake Forest. This is
0: the game that I like the most this upcoming weekend, and of course I told you how terribly I've done,
1: so maybe run in the opposite direction, but I'll also take Wake Forest. <laughs> All right, so we're we're on the same page. The first two games. This one, a massive line, but one of the bigger games of the weekend. Texas A&M, who's now in the top twenty-five, going to Alabama, and Bama is favored by twenty-six and a half points in this game. And Alabama is just killing absolutely everybody. But Grant, I got to tell you, I cannot swallow this many points. Whenever you got Jimbo Fisher and Kellen Mond on the other side, I will gladly take the 26.5, even though Alabama's killing everybody. I like a great, a really good head coach and a quarterback that apparently is able to throw against one of the best defenses in the country. I'll take my chances and, and take the 26.5 points against uh, Alabama. What say you?
0: I don't, ah, this is the one that I've really been struggling on all day. <laughs> I
1: was. I was just so confident in that Clemson game and a and m totally i mean I was way off on it, so I, I feel like I'll I take, don't want to go against them again.
0: I'll take Bama just yeah, i, I mean, and, and I'm doing it. everyone I'm doing it just because you know I'll feel so dumb if I take a and m and then Bama beats them by forty um so I'm going to take Bama
1: yeah the next two are pretty interesting. got a seven o'clock kick Saturday Stanford. I saw it at minus one and a half. It might be around two now, laying those points at Oregon. I haven't had a chance to see Oregon play, which I know I I think I said before the season that I need to watch more Justin Herbert, but they haven't played any good teams yet. So I hadn't really thought, eh, I, don't, I don't really want to watch him play against like an FCS team. Stanford, meanwhile, has played USC, who's not, not great, but they handled USC, held only three points. And San Diego State's an okay football team uh stanford's laying less than a field goal against an oregon team that hasn't been challenged yet i know oregon's got a pretty good home field advantage normally but i just think stanford's actually a pretty darn good football team and they haven't even had to rely on bryce love this year and they're still able to win these games i'll lay the points with stanford grant what do you say i'm leaning oregon
0: um yeah i'm gonna take oregon i stanford's kind of struggled a little bit this year um you know I I'm generally somebody who is really high on Stanford. Um I think in retrospect the USC the USC victory is really not particularly impressive. Um San Diego State after what they did to Arizona State that win probably is, you know, pretty impressive. Uh Oregon, you know, has 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 been pretty solid so far. Um being at home, you know, actually geez, Oregon struggled last week against San Jose State. Uh I don't know. I <laughs> These are, I, I really feel like that I, I don't know if it's just mental for me, but I, I really can't get a feel on a lot of these lines this year. I, I'm gonna take Oregon, uh just because I, I think this is actually a pretty even game and I'm gonna take just the home underdog in that situation. Having that been said, you know, I okay. my my head says Stanford, but you know, I okay. I don't know. I'll I'll take Oregon, although I'm I I I feel like I'm gonna feel like an idiot for doing that
1: in, in a couple days. So, you're finding that whenever you're actually in a, a season-long competition, when you actually have to pay attention pretty closely to the to the lines and the spreads, and you look at them all the time, it gets a little more difficult when you got to make decisions. I think that's what you're trying. Like that's what you're probably finding out. Uh, last game, Wisconsin laying three points on the road at Iowa. Like I have no I, idea what to do here at all. Oh, I'm I'm I would gladly take Iowa plus three. Gladly take Iowa plus three and just. Be okay with it because I just think Wisconsin kind of stinks. Yeah, come off a loss, so motivation's gonna be high. Man, I was hard to watch, but that defense is pretty good. You know, I don't know what the over under is in this game, but I think I would definitely take the under as well. I'll take Iowa plus three.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I just I'm Iowa. You know, I Iowa did shut down Iowa State like they couldn't get anything going. Iowa's defensive line is good. Oh man, Lee, I'm telling you, I'm I'm gonna take Iowa here too. Um, this is tough, man. This is a tough game. Like I, there there's just, there's just been a lot of weird results this year that have really made me think twice about stuff. You know, obviously Wisconsin losing to BYU last week is one of them, Lee. And I'm sitting here looking at this. They BYU is 58th. Overall, in S and P, they beat Wisconsin twenty four to twenty one. It wasn't even a fluky win. Wisconsin had a thirty five percent win expectancy. They got beat
1: by BYU. They got beat up. They got, they got bullied beat. around by a physical team, which is and weird because I- Wisconsin's supposed to be the physical type. Yeah, team, right? and that's
0: you know that's what Iowa is. And I, if I'm going to get points, you know, for Iowa, I think I got to take it right, especially with their, you know, they're they're the best run defense in the country right now, and that's not nothing, especially when they face David
1: Montgomery. So here, here's the thing though, with this, and I, I'm going to play the, the role of a a degenerate, sharp Vegas better that makes his money being a pro. What they'd probably say here is that a week or two ago, I bet you could have gotten this line at Wisconsin. It would have been something like long, like Wisconsin maybe close to minus double digits, like minus 10. I was going to say but, like but, seven but, but, but at to least 10. minus but at least minus seven. Yeah. And so now, you know one game, well, you know just it's one game has happened and now it's all the way down to minus 3. So I bet a professional better would think there's a lot of value in Wisconsin only laying a field goal here because again a week ago to yeah you're probably more close you're probably closer at least a touchdown Wisconsin would have been favored by. So you're, in a way you're getting free points right now with Wisconsin. So that there's probably more value actually on the Badgers. So in a way you and I are kind of taking the the Joe Route by taking out plus three. I know that's three. what
0: that was my because that was my instincts looking at that line was that man, that line is just begging, is just begging for you to put money on Wisconsin. Um, or is it? Or is it the other way around? Or is no, it, is it's that, the other way around. They, y- want you, you,
1: they want you to take Iowa. They want you to take Iowa. Yeah. Because they know Wisconsin is, I mean, if this was Wisconsin, you know, let's say if this was Wisconsin minus seven, there would be everybody would be jumping on Iowa plus seven. You' kidding me? But yeah, now at, right. at minus three, it's like, oh, all right. I you mean, I well still take the points with Iowa, but mm-hmm. still, it's Wisconsin would have probably been favored by at least a touchdown a week ago.
0: Yeah, and I just there there hasn't there hasn't been enough. I, these teams. Hey, okay, here's the deal. I think I think Iowa State is probably you know pretty a pretty even team with BYU. I think they're probably pretty comparable uh, to be honest with you. And you know, I don't. But you can't do that. As soon as you start doing transitive comparing wins, you're gonna get. So you know what? I'll I'll, I'll I'm just screw it. I'm going with con. I'm going with, uh, with with Wisconsin. I'm taking Wisconsin.
1: All right. I'm gonna hold hold steady with Iowa. So we're a little different on a few picks. So good that that can change it up the overall rankings uh, next week. And we do this again? Let's get out of here. That's our show. Enjoy OU and Army. We'll break it all down on Monday. For Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.